You're listening to the Grassroots Church Podcast. We're a Jesus-centered community in Thunder Bay, Ontario. You can learn how to participate more by going to our website at grassroots.church. This morning, for those who are kind of visiting or new, um, is what we call Community Church Sunday. And uh, it is a bit of a different format from how we typically do Sunday morning. Uh, Sunday mornings usually run the sort of the, the liturgy of... Um, you know, singing together, and then we do a sermon, and then we do communion and another song. Um, this morning, we're shifting up a little bit by having just a very sort of short summary on the last two weeks' uh, messages, which is on the theme of this fifth marker, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, but we're going to break into the small groups, and we'll actually have some conversation. I have some discussion questions, and um, hoping folks will kind of step up and help lead some small groups. So we'll we'll do that in a second. But uh, so this morning, um, again, just as a little bit of context, I know we have uh, said this often, but for the sake of those who maybe haven't been able to join us or who are new, uh, Grassroots Church has embarked on a, uh, a new sort of initiative, a new partnership with a larger network called the Jesus Collective. And the Jesus Collective is a network of churches focused on placing Jesus at the center as a revelation of who God is, as the inspiration for how we live and lead, and as the giver of the Spirit who guides and empowers us. This is sort of their mission statement. Uh, but they recognize that there's this reformation going, or there's this need for a reformation. Um, there's a need for sort of a recalibration of the church uh, to sort of get our eyes back on Jesus, to put Jesus at the center, um, and and to kind of live in response to that. And so there have been sort of five markers. Uh, they're called the uh, five markers of a new reformation. And these five markers we've been looking at since, I think, the beginning of May, maybe even April, uh, exploring each one. We've had a number of community members share upon them as, uh, about them as well each week. And it's been a really good and rich, and hopefully you've, you've seen this as well, just a really rich time of learning and discussion and discovering as we uh, use these five markers to help shape uh, sort of the, the identity to some degree of our own community here at, the, and, uh, at Grassroots Church, um, which has been I think a really important time, uh, important thing to do, and especially at this juncture within our community's uh, life. And so I have um, gone over the, the fifth marker over the last two weeks, which is uh, we are defined by a shared center, not by the lines that we draw. And part of that uh, was based on this book, Centered Set Church. And this, uh, this fifth marker was mostly drawn out of this book, um, a pastor a missionary slash pastor slash professor wrote this book uh, based on his own experience and recognizing like, man, as a society, uh, we do not know how to disagree very well. And in particular, as a church, as the church, we have not done disagreement well. And as a result of that poor disagreement, we have after 500 years uh, since the Reformation, we have some 48,000 denominations. Um, which means every time that we disagree with someone, we decide we're going to fracture off and form our own church. And this has happened over and over and over again. And so the question is, like, how can we prevent another 48,000 denominations from being formed? Um, and so this question, like, how do we disagree well without separating, without division? How can we do that in a way that... Um, 
and is honoring to Jesus. And, and so he came up with, and he didn't come up with this. He actually adapted it from others. Um, but basically what he calls a centered set church. And so I am going to use markers and we are going to just go over a little bit about what we talked about the last two weeks, and then we're going to break up into groups. And so he uses these helpful uh, diagrams. I've posted them on Facebook. We've uh, looked at them on Instagram. They're also, I've posted them here before, but I get to draw them now, and you get to see my incredible drawing skills. So let's do this. Um, so the first, so there's three sets. What's the first one? Bounded. Thank you. And a bounded church has a clear boundary line that is static and distinguishes Christians from non-Christians, true Christians from mediocre Christians. Uh, Mark says, the author says, the line generally consists of a list of correct beliefs and certain visible behaviors. A bounded church has tendencies toward a sense of superiority and judgmentalism, and it hinders transparency and shame. These are sort of characteristics of a bounded church. And most churches are bounded. Uh, to a very large degree, we're a bounded church. And this kind of framework, this kind of uh, uh, paradigm is what results in judgmentalism and us versus them thinking, oh, you don't believe this? Well, then you're not part of this, right? You uh, do this and this. You do this for baptism? Oh, well... Those people over there do that for baptism. We do it this way. And it's us versus them. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's a very somewhat um, problematic approach to disagreeing. And it's what we're all very comfortable with. And so in response to bounded churches, what, do, what did Mark say typically happens? Fuzzy churches. So in a fuzzy church, we get rid of the line altogether. And we say, the lines don't matter. But the problem with that is that now you have no center. You have no focus on what it is you are to do as a community. Who are you? What's your identity? What do you stand for? Where are your convictions? What are your values? You have different values than mine? That's okay. We can all get along. And we find out that in practice, that approach doesn't work very well either. And his definition uh, is this, and I think it's worth reading. In response to problematic line drawing, a fuzzy church erases the line. The grounds for distinction and shaming judgmentalism, they're gone. No, there's no judgmentalism here. Um, but the fuzziness erodes the group's sense of identity, and it lacks a sense of call to a different way of living and inhibits loving others fully. It has a tendency, and I like this word, it has a tendency toward blandness, right? And so that's what a fuzzy church does. And these, unfortunately, seem like they're the only two options. Either we are drawing lines in the sand and we're making an us versus them um, uh, paradigm or, or, or community to, to exist in, or we erase the lines altogether and we just say, it doesn't matter what happens, let's all just have a kumbaya party, and um, yeah, we realize that neither of those are good. And even though these both um, differ radically, and they're sort of positioned at opposite ends of a shared spectrum or a shared continuum, they share the same paradigm about who, or about how to define uh, who belongs to the group. And so that's the question, or that's the challenge. It's like, oh, if that's all we're concerned with, then this, fuzzy, or bounded are, the, are what you're going to get. Mark, in his experience, came up with sort of a third one. 
And this is what he called a centered set. And a centered set paradigm doesn't exist on this continuum of who's in, who's out. Uh, under, like the question at the end of the day is how, you know, how our group is defined by understanding who's in, who's out. Instead, it's defined by a shared center. And so Jesus now is at the center of this community, and a centered set church discerns who belongs to the group by observing people's relationship with the center, Jesus. So let me say that again. It discerns who belongs to the group. So there is an understanding of who's a part of this, but it's not based on these lines that we draw. It's based on who is moving toward Jesus, who is starting to practice in the way of Jesus, who is starting to love like Jesus, to have grace, to live this sacrificial sort of life that he demonstrates, especially through the cross? Who's doing that? Who's moving toward? Who recognizes their need for, some, for a savior? Who goes beyond themselves and understands that they don't have what it takes and need Jesus? Versus... Those who are like, I don't need this. And they're moving away from Jesus. That's the line, as it were. And as this diagram illustrates, the group includes all who are oriented toward the center. Their common direction brings unity. They don't agree on all the things. Absolutely not. There's still lots of discussion. But those things that they don't agree on are not enough to separate and to fragment. There is space to struggle, there's space to fail, because everyone recognizes that they are in a process. They are moving closer to the center. A centered approach remedies the problems of a bounded church that motivate a fuzzy church to blur boundaries, while also avoiding the negative fruit that grows out of a fuzzy approach. In the last couple of weeks, we've looked at what are the fruit of those uh, two approaches, and we said that especially within a grace or a bounded set, you have gracelessness, conditional acceptance. It's motivated by fear. There's a lack of transparency. There's a lack of empathy. There's a self-righteousness. And there is sort of a shallow ethical change that comes in uh, each of us when we are consumed with an us versus them thinking. And so this is the model that I want us as a community to embrace. And it's not going to be easy. And one of the traits of a center set church, and it's just, it needs to be said, is that it's messy because it's not black and white thinking. It takes struggle and it takes sort of a, you know, case by case example as we go through that stuff. And it's going to be hard and it's going, there's going to be complications and it's going to seem like there's um, contradictions along the way. And that's all part of being uh, on a journey toward Jesus and as a community, and as individuals. And so uh, the centered set values trajectory over position. Trajectory over position. Posture over position is how uh, one author puts it. And then we looked at, last week we looked at two metaphors to kind of help wrap this up and bring it home. We said, uh, if you were to think about a soccer, la uh, a soccer match or a soccer game, we said a bounded set uh, to help understand a bounded set. A bounded set would be a soccer team that is sort of part of a league. There is a registration form. There are tryouts. Some make it, some don't. 
there is a uniform that distinguishes who's on this team, who's not. And then, of course, there's a gr an agreed-upon set of rules that you play by as well. That would be a bounded set. There's rules. There's all these lines that determine this soccer team, this soccer league, this is a thing that exists. A fuzzy church, to carry on this metaphor, could be like, hey, we're going to get together around three or four or five, whenever you get there, and we're going to play soccer. And then you get there, and actually it ends up being rugby, or it ends up being, you know what, volleyball. Or next week we're going to play, um, you know, field hockey. That doesn't happen. But anyway, let's say it's whatever sport. And it, there's no real clarifications like how do we know who's included in this well you show up but if you're not really good you might just sit on the sidelines depending right depending on who says what uh and there's no clarity as to who is a part of this and so that can it can just become chaotic and then what a center set church would look like in terms of a soccer metaphor you know what we're going to get together at 3 p.m on saturday and every and we're going to play soccer and everyone's invited and it's going to be a fun thing from 3 to 5 p.m uh your skill level doesn't matter you're invited to play um we're going to divide you up onto teams when you get there we're going to just hang out and have a good time playing soccer there's no qualification that says you have to be a part of this or you get to be a part of this if you do x and y everyone's invited right? And yet, they're there for a purpose. They exist for a purpose. And their purpose is to have fun and play soccer on Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. And so we said, if somebody comes there at 3 p.m. on Saturday, and they pick up the ball, and they start running with it, we would say, well, this isn't rugby. This isn't football. We're playing soccer. Please play soccer. Follow the rules. There are certain rules with this. You can't keep touching the ball with your hands. And if they say, oh, no, no, it's okay. I got this. We're fine. You're going to have to have that conversation and say, listen, we're not playing rugby. Please stop. But you are more than welcome to come here and play soccer with us at 3 p.m. So that was one of the metaphors. And then the other metaphor we looked at was uh, we talked about this in Australia. They use, um, because of the desert, because farmland is so huge and there's so much space, it's, it, it just doesn't make sense for farmers to build fences uh, to keep their cattle in. So instead, they build wells. And then the cattle never stray too far from the well, right? And so we use that beautiful metaphor to talk about Jesus being this well. And can we make him so appealing, so desirable, so life-giving that when, um, th that there's just no need at all to have lines. There's no need to do that because people want to be near Jesus. People want to be drawn to Jesus. Amen. And as individuals in our workplaces and in, in, in our schools that we go to, and as a community, we present a Jesus that is so beautiful and so life-giving that the lines kind of just disappear naturally, and we don't have to think that way. So that was, uh, those are the two sort of metaphors. And then, finally, we said, okay, the question that is big, look at that, huh? No big deal. <laughs> The question that is begged then is like, well, how do we hold convictions? How do we hold values and beliefs and rituals and practices in a centered set church? And last week we looked at Ephesians chapter 4, and we said, um, well, there are three sort of ways that Paul discusses unity, how unity dis like with conviction can be held. And the first one is to sort of practice the virtues of Jesus. Humility, gentleness, patience, and of course, all of that under, undergirded with love, right? So thanks, 
Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for others' faults. Recognizing that none of us have it all together. We're all on a journey. We are all learning. So starting with this posture of, uh, and I said this, like having your convictions, absolutely, but instead of like firm with a closed fist, having those convictions held with an open hand on all of the things. So that was number one. Number two, we said to, uh, we kind of reiterated from the first week was to elevate our posture over position, right? Using this example that, some, that everyone's on a journey. Some are moving toward Jesus. Some are moving away from Jesus. Some have known Jesus their whole life. Some are just discovering. Some have a road that has been rough, full of potholes and chasms in the middle that have just made their journey to Jesus really, really hard, but they're on a journey. And they maybe haven't figured it all out. And, you know, again, recognizing that first part of the humility is like, well, maybe we all haven't, none of us have figured it out. And so elevating posture over position, recognizing the trajectory of an individual rather than their position. And the third one, and this is, I think, the most important, is to be very, very clear about who is at our center. Right? This matters a lot. This is so important. To get to the metaphor of the soccer analogy, we are here to play soccer at 3 p.m. That's what we're about. We are here to live and to um, carry out the call of Jesus on our lives, to be kingdom-oriented uh, followers of Jesus who are, who are commissioned to bring his kingdom about in this world and all the beautiful and wonderful ways that, that looks. That's what we are here for. And you are welcome to be a part of that. A hundred percent you are welcome to be a part of that. Um, and who is that Jesus? What does that Jesus look like? And we begin with the Jesus crucified on the cross. The Jesus who gives his life as an offering to you and I, as a sacrifice, this self-emptying, self-giving love of our Lord. As the example, as the sort of the, the, um, the key figure as, uh, of what that Jesus is and who that center is. Uh, we use the metaphor or the, the story of the prodigal son. Jesus is, you know, represented, the father is represented as this son or as this uh, dad who waits day after day after day with eager anticipation for his wayward son to return. And then when he finally does, he rushes down the lane to get him, to welcome him, embrace him, and to throw a huge party celebrating this return of his son. That kind of love, that kind of God that father, that son, is who we worship and who we put at the center of this community. Amen? So that's what we're about here at Grassroots Church. Um, that's what we want to be. And that's essentially a, a summary of the last two weeks, so we're good. Um, okay. So now we are going to split into uh, a few groups. Okay, friends, uh, if you are able to just kind of turn your chairs uh, this way as we uh, close our service this morning with communion, um, I trust that your groups had some rich conversation. There's lots to be said, lots more to be said. We will uh, continue this conversation uh, throughout the summer, throughout the fall. It will be a part of the ebb and flow of 
growth and edu- or learning and discipleship here at uh, Grassroots Church, and I'm excited that all of us are on this journey together. So um, we'll close this morning with our communion service, and actually we'll close off this five markers of a new Reformation series as well. So this is the last time uh, we're officially talking about it in this series. Again, we will be talking about it down the road as well. Um, But as we close this morning, I would love it if, again, we could turn our hearts to the center, to Jesus, uh, as we contemplate the cross, uh, we contemplate his resurrection, his power over over death, and uh, what that means for you and I as followers of Jesus this morning, as we continue on this journey, trying to figure out um, how best to live for Jesus how best to walk in his way and um, that this bread and this cup represent this uh, body broken, this, his blood poured out for us and such a powerful symbol of, um, of what it means to live selflessly and to give our lives to, um, to one another and to the other. And so uh, I invite you to the table this morning. Take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. We have a gluten-free option as well. As we sing together, you are welcome to the table. Hi, everyone. Grassroots Church is going into a different format for the summer. We're not sure what that means for the podcast yet. Stay subscribed to this feed for the latest and uh, go in peace.